1: Good Monday morning. Brazil in turmoil after rioters storm its capital. Echoes of the insurrection in Washington, D.C. two years ago. So what happens next? It is January 9th. This is Today. (laughs) Chaos and clashes. thousands of supporters of brazil's ousted far-right president tearing through congress the supreme court and other government offices fueled by false claims the election was stolen a scene eerily similar to january 6 the country's new leader vowing to punish anyone who took part in the insurrection or live with complete coverage Biden at the border. The president makes his first visit there since taking office. What he's saying about how to address the flood of migrants and critics saying it is too little, too late. Wild weather. Parts of the East Coast waking up to snow, while out West, tens of millions race for yet another round of heavy rain, high winds and catastrophic flooding. Al has the full forecast. Back on campus, students at the University of Idaho returning to school for the first time since an arrest in the brutal murders of four classmates. And this morning, the sister of one of the victims now speaking out. The relief that we all felt having a suspect in custody was, uh, it it was like, I, I can't even describe it. We'll have the very latest as the suspect heads back to court this week. Those stories, plus burning bridges overnight, new claims from Prince Harry's memoir and media blitz
0: do you speak to your dad
2: we are we haven't spoken for quite a while um no not recently
1: and why he's still hopeful for reconciliation we'll go live to buckingham palace and storybook start playing for the first time since Demar hamlin's collapse the buffalo bills returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown their teammate watching and reacting from his hospital bed as teams across the league show their support for him And on Sunday night, Detroit plays spoiler, defeating Green Bay to keep the Packers out of the playoffs, a wild and emotional end to the regular season today, Monday, January 9th, 2023.
0: From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cutby, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza.
1: And Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to you today. Nice to have you along on a Monday morning. If you were writing a Hollywood mm. script and you said, mm. and when the football team, the Bills come back for their uh. first game, they're going to score right <laughs> off of the kickoff. You'd say it's not believable. And well, you know what? They called it storybook and it was yeah. the initial kickoff all the way down. They say the fans exploded. They deserved that. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. What a moment. Lots of good news to report on, at DeMar Hamlin. We've got a lot of other stories, including the country bracing for more severe weather today out west. It's another round of heavy rainfall on tap and the very same areas that have already experienced historic flooding and power outages over the last few days, they do not need it. Al is tracking that for us also this
3: morning, the House getting back to work after that contentious battle over Kevin McCarthy's election as House Speaker. We're going to break down what's on their agenda and if the party will be able to move
1: forward. But we'll get begin this morning with officials here in the U.S. and around the world condemning that attack on Brazil's capital by people protesting the results of their recent presidential election. Hundreds of rioters arrested. The image is striking and seems eerily reminiscent of January 6th and what happened with this country. NBC's Sam Brock joins us with more now. Sam, good morning.
4: Yeah, Savannah, Hoda, good morning. It is quiet right now outside of the Brazilian consulate here in Miami as Bolsonaro reported flew to Orlando weeks ago back in December. Now, Brazilian officials overnight announced they have arrested more than 400 people so far, a figure that is likely to rise. This, as they emphasize right now, that we have a situation in that capital that was out of control for a period of time. The biggest difference with haunting similarities to January 6th, perhaps, guys, the fact that we had no lawmakers inside as thousands Ravage those government buildings. The incredible scenes unfolding in Brazil's capital Sunday. Thousands of protesters confronting police wielding makeshift weapons, smashing windows, storming Brazil's Congress, presidential palace, and Supreme Court. All of it eerily similar to one of the ugliest chapters in American history to January 6th attacks. The protesters claiming the October election that saw left-leaning former president Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, or just Lula, barely defeat right-wing incumbent Jair Bolsonaro, was rigged. It's a claim Bolsonaro had been making for months without evidence. Lula promising to punish the demonstrators, calling them fascists and saying they did something that wasn't ever done in the history of this country. Overnight, Lula arriving at the presidential palace to assess the damage. Federal police were deploying tear gas and flashbangs well into the night. Officials say more than 400 people have already been arrested. Those who follow Brazilian politics say this felt almost inevitable. Since January 6th, how much concern has there been in Brazil that something like that could happen? A lot, because Bolsonaro is a major fan of Trump Like. The protesters have received support from some Trump allies, including former aide Steve Bannon, who posted about it on social media, calling them freedom fighters. Bannon was involved in the president's attempt to overturn the 2020 election and even predicted the chaos one day before the Capitol riots. All
5: hell is going to break loose
4: tomorrow. Meanwhile, global leaders quickly condemning the violent behavior in Brazil with President Biden calling it an assault on democracy and tweeting Brazil's democratic institutions have our full support and the will of the Brazilian people must not be undermined. Bolsonaro reportedly in Orlando since December, reacting to the riots on social media, tweeting invasions of public buildings are outside the law.
1: You mentioned, Sam, that he's in Florida. I mean, are there potential consequences for him here?
4: Right. He is reportedly in Orlando right now, Savannah. We know that Bolsonaro is the subject of several criminal probes at the moment. Now, the fact that he's no longer the sitting president does reduce a good deal of legal protection that he had. But U.S. lawmakers right now, Savannah, are demanding, some of them, that the U.S. not provide refuge to this man. There is an extradition deal that the U.S. has with Brazil, but how it would be applied in this case is not exactly clear. But certainly Brazil would have to request that extradition. Savannah.
1: All right, a lot of moving parts there, Sam. Thank you.
3: President Biden is starting this week in Mexico, attending a key summit with fellow North American leaders. One focus, the migrant crisis. And yesterday, the president made his first trip to the southern border since taking office, a visit some critics say should have taken place a lot sooner. NBC's chief White House correspondent Kristen Welker is right there, there in El Paso, Texas for us. Hi, Kristen. Good morning.
6: Hi, Hoda. Good morning. The president's agenda in Mexico will include urgent talks on climate change and the economy, but the most pressing issue will be the crisis at the border in El Paso. Migrants finding various ways to get over or under the fence behind me, even cutting through it, all of it creating a fraught drop for the president's first face-to-face visit with the border. President Biden touching down in Mexico overnight after visiting the southern border for the first time since taking office 2 years ago. While in El Paso, the epicenter of the ongoing migrant crisis, Mr. Biden met with border patrol officials and toured a services support center, though he did not directly meet with migrants. When asked what he learned, and then, uh, this high-stakes trip comes amid a surge in migrants nationwide. Border Patrol says it stopped a record 2.6 million migrants crossing illegally last year. As soon as he arrived in El Paso, the president was met with criticism from all sides. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott handing the president a letter on the airport tarmac, blasting Mr. Biden's policies as weak and arguing the visit came two years too late. He should have been down here from day one to fix the problem that he created. Humanitarian groups say the president's new immigration policy could put more lives in danger. That policy seeks to expel 30,000 migrants a month who unlawfully entered the US from Venezuela, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Cuba. All of it adding to a tense backdrop in El Paso, where migrants line the cold streets outside of this church, like Maria Rodriguez, who says she risked her life seeking a better life, fleeing violence in Venezuela with her two children and a nephew. Their harrowing journey lasted four months and included hiding in a garbage truck for five days. Cinco días en la Basura. En la Basura. Five days hiding in en la Basura. Joe Barraza, who lives in El Paso, says he empathizes with the migrants, but says his small community cannot support the surge and something needs to be done. I want to see, what do you want to hear from Biden today.
7: I want him to
8: do something about it finally, for sure. Uh, I want him not just empty promises. I want him to actually do something.
3: That was Kristen Walker for us there in El Paso, Texas.
1: Meanwhile, the business of Washington is back in business this morning after the most contentious battle to elect a Speaker of the House since the Civil War. Kevin McCarthy finally landing the job on the 15th ballot after flipping a handful of Republican holdouts in an all-nighter on Capitol Hill. But there are new fights ahead. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles joins us with the latest. Ryan, good morning.
9: Savannah, good morning to you. And the good news is there is a fully functioning House of Representatives here on Capitol Hill. The big question is, after everything that happened last week, will they get anything done? For Kevin McCarthy, now the real work begins. That was easy, huh? Just three days removed from his contentious climb to the Speakership, McCarthy already facing a major challenge. Tonight, the House is set to vote on a rules package filled with the many concessions he was forced to make to win over the rebel Republicans. Among them, the opportunity for any member of the House to call for a vote to remove the Speaker. The creation of a broad select committee designed to investigate the, quote, weaponization of the federal government that includes the ability to review ongoing criminal investigations and a requirement that lawmakers have 72 hours to review any piece of legislation before it comes to the floor. Some moderates already raising concerns that McCarthy gave away too much.
10: I have to represent everybody. I am concerned that common sense legislation will not get through to get a vote on the floor.
9: But in the aftermath of the late Friday drama, the GOP now claiming they are ready to work together. It is a tough job to get to 218, but I believe Kevin's the right guy. McCarthy endured 15 brutal rounds of voting over five days. He thought he had the job wrapped up on round 14 when Matt Gates of Florida refused to vote for McCarthy, leading Armed Services Chair Mike Rogers to be held back from confronting Gates. Over the weekend, Gates and Rogers mended
11: their relationship. People can have moments of frustration, but Mike Rogers and I have a six-year productive uh, working relationship. We're gonna work together wonderfully going
9: forward. And now McCarthy right, is left yeah, to find yeah. a way to make the rest of his speakership different from the tumult of last week. Mr. Speaker, I, Mr. Speaker. to prevent a situation like this from happening on every tight contested vote going forward?
5: I think what you will see by having this now, we've worked out
9: how to work together. And when the House gavels in later this evening, there is real skepticism if any of the legislation they pass will actually become law with Democrats controlling the Senate and the White House. The real focus of this Republican majority will likely be investigations into the Biden administration. Savannah. All right, Ryan Nobles on Capitol Hill. Thanks, Ryan.
3: Let's turn now to a milestone in the pandemic. Over the weekend, China lifted restrictions on foreign travel for the first time in nearly three years, marking a new phase in the nation's COVID response. NBC's Asia Correspondent. Janice Mackey Frayer has more. Hey, Janice, good morning.
10: Hoda, good morning to you. This is a day a lot of people here have been waiting for, me included, to be able to travel into China without long quarantines on arrival. For three years, China had some of the toughest COVID controls of any country. Ending this part of it effectively reopens China to the world. This morning, for the first time since the start of the pandemic, travelers are streaming into China. Arriving, reuniting, now that borders here are open. For the Han family, ending a three-year wait for this.
11: It's really really a great time for us to come back before the Chinese New Year.
10: Scrapping quarantines for every passenger is a last step in dismantling China's zero-COVID regime that had all but cut off the country from the world and battered China's economy. Now thousands are crossing from Hong Kong to the mainland. Here in Shanghai, 18 international flights today alone from Singapore, Paris, San Francisco.
1: We're very happy we can travel this year.
10: Since March 2020, traveling to China used to mean a surreal mix of hazmat suits, disinfectant fog and enforced isolation. It all changed abruptly after widespread protests late November. And over the past month, the massive system of testing and lockdowns has been unraveled. Loosening controls has fueled a surge of COVID infections, with China's own experts figuring 800 million people will be infected by spring. Hospital emergency rooms are overwhelmed, and so are funeral homes. The World Health Organization criticized China for, quote, underrepresenting the number of COVID deaths. And the scale of the outbreak is about to get worse, with millions on the move from major cities to rural areas to celebrate a lunar new year without restrictions. Outbound tourism is expected to rise too, even with countries like the U.S. putting restrictions on Chinese travelers. The U.S. wants all travelers from China, Hong Kong and Macau, regardless of their nationality, to show a negative covid test, something officials in Beijing have criticized as unfair, though China requires the same of people to come here. The concern among health officials in the U.S. and elsewhere is this the potential for new covid variants and the lack of credible data coming out of China has left most researchers guessing. Hoda.
3: All right, Janice
12: mackey Freyer for us there in Shanghai. Janice, thank you.
1: Quarter after on a Monday morning. Good morning, Craig. Hey,
12: Savannah. Good hold football up. weekend. It was a <laughs> special Saturday and Sunday in the NFL for sure. The final day of the NFL's regular season was marked by those league-wide tributes to Buffalo Bills star DeMar Hamlin. And as he continues to recover, the Bills, playing for the first time since his collapse, gave Hamlin... And really, everyone watching, reasons to celebrate right from the start. NBC's Jesse Kirsch was there. He's in Buffalo at Highmark Stadium. Jesse, good
11: morning to you. Craig, good morning. All I can say is, wow, this place was packed even before the national anthem tributes across this stadium and the country for number three damar hamlin who is still recovering in the hospital but he was tuning in along with us even tweeting replies to his teammates after big plays as the buffalo bills gave this community chills on the very first play this morning a roller coaster week gets a Hollywood ending. On the Buffalo Bills' very first play back since DeMar Hamlin's on-field collapse and cardiac arrest, running back Naeem Hines went the distance, returning the game's opening kickoff for a touchdown. An electric, emotional touchdown for a team and community hurting for days.
12: It really was. It's been 3 years and 3 months <sighs>
7: since
12: the last kickoff return. So
11: Pretty cool. Their beloved teammate cheered them on from his hospital bed. Hamlin's doctors say he is still in critical condition, but making continued progress. Adding his neurological function is excellent. That highlight reel victory and exclamation point on tributes for Hamlin nationwide. Opponents turn teammates in prayer. Number three on warm-up gear and jumbotrons throughout the NFL as Bills fans rallied around their healing safety.
6: I will get well soon. We love you.
11: Tributes to DeMar Hamlin stretching from the stands amongst the fans to his teammates' jerseys and right onto the field itself. His number three outlined in blue. Hamlin showing gratitude for all the support in an emotional Instagram post on Saturday, writing, the love has been overwhelming, but I'm thankful for every single person that prayed for me and reached out. Adding this will make him stronger. One of Hamlin's teammates says before the game, he texted apologizing for what he had put his teammates through over the past week. That is the kind of person DeMar Hamlin is. And you'll remember doctors say when Hamlin woke up in the hospital, he asked if the Bills beat the Bengals. Well, yesterday after the Bills victory, number three tweeted, we all won storybook guys yeah
12: yes we have all right uh thank you so much jesse curse there in orchard park wow wow it's
1: incredible to watch it the was. first 15 seconds mm-hmm. i was like yeah. wait what, what did they
12: what, what, what just happened, happened? What? yeah it was incredible and, and as far
5: as he's concerned the power of prayer yeah, yeah. 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 Yes. World-wide wow. it's just amazing but so good to see well we've got Hey, oh, you're hi, back
12: now. for day two
5: Oh, that's right. I did have to come back. <laughs> Whoa! I woke oh, yeah. up and said, oh, I guess I got to come back to work. Anyway, let's show you what we've got going on right now. We are looking at more severe weather. 32 million people for our friends out west. Flood watches, flood warnings out there. You can see snow making its way into the mountains and that wet weather is just going to continue. we got another three storms out there. We've got this one for today. Uh, that's storm number one, eight to 12 Inches of rain, feet of snow possible in the Sierras. Second storm tomorrow. That's going to bring another wet day, mostly for central and northern California. And then yet a third storm for Wednesday and Thursday. More rain, more snow, mountain winds. And this one's going to be bringing some strong winds as well. So heavy rain and flooding through Tuesday. The potential between Monterey and San Luis Obispo. 12 inches of rain. This is flooding, major river and flash flooding. We've also got that risk of flooding through tomorrow from Eureka, San Luis Obispo, down to Los Angeles as well. Plus, we've got heavy mountain snow through Tuesday, one to three feet, but some places six feet of snow and damaging winds that will bring significant tree damage, power outages, hazardous travel with wind gusts up into the 50s. And that is your latest weather I- Thank
1: you, Al. Still ahead this morning, Prince Harry launching stunning new attacks against the royal family overnight and defending his decision to write that controversial memoir. Kier Simmons at Buckingham Palace for us. Hi, Kier.
2: Hey, Savannah, that's right. Unless you've been hiding under a stone over the weekend, you cannot have missed the headlines from this book. Coming up, we'll ask, what on earth is King Charles going to do?
3: All right. Thank you, Kier. Plus, uh, class is set to resume at the University of Idaho this week in the wake of an arrest in the murders of four students, how that community is trying to move forward and concern over speculation that online uh, tied to the still active investigation. But first, this is Today on NBC.
0: In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? you need indeed.
3: Back now, 7.30. It's a Monday morning. Our tree's still standing. I think it's going to be up. It's January 9th today, 2023. I think it's up till the 15th. Anyway, we've got a great crowd outside across the street at our plaza. Everybody's bright and shiny. Um, By the way, the tree's up a little longer than usual. But this is the last week. So if you're coming to New York City, You must come now. And if you haven't taken down
1: your decorations, I hope everyone feels a little better about themselves. Neither have they across the street. Big cleanup there, though. Let's get to your headlines. 730. It's Monday morning. The teacher who was shot by by a six-year-old student is said to be improving this morning at a Virginia hospital. Police say 25-year-old Abby Zwerner suffered life-threatening injuries when a boy opened fire inside a first-grade classroom. It happened in Newport News, Virginia. He was later taken into custody, and police say the shooting was not accidental. No students were injured. The school will remain closed today and again tomorrow.
12: Thousands of nurses at two of New York City's largest hospitals walked off the job this morning after a weekend of negotiations, failed to produce a deal for a new contract. More than 7,000 nurses are seeking better pay and improved staffing. The hospitals say they do have backup plans in place New York City's mayor, though, is advising people to only call 911 if they truly need emergency care. Uh, turning now, though, to Prince Harry's media blitz ahead of tomorrow's official release of his memoir.
1: Yeah, he's done a series of interviews now, and he's opening up about these stunning claims against his home family in his book. And he's also launching new accusations. Yeah,
3: NBC's chief international correspondent Keir Simmons is at Buckingham Palace with more. Hey, Kier, good morning.
2: Hey, Hoda. Hey, guys. Good morning to you. It is Catherine, Princess of Wales, birthday this morning. But I'm guessing that she is not being given a present of the new book penned by her brother-in-law. What is clear now is that Prince Harry is determined to try to single-handedly rewrite how he says royalty has worked for decades. A seemingly relaxed King Charles attending church on Sunday as his youngest son's explosive interviews were broadcast on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Harry uh, openly talking about that clash with William and he snapped and he pushed me to the floor. His bombshell book spare describes a second physical altercation with his brother with his dad Charles watching after Prince Philip's funeral. He lunged grabbed my shirt. Listen to me Harold. I pulled away refusing to meet his gaze. NBC News has obtained a copy of the memoir before its publication date. Harry writes of differences with his brother stretching back decades. He even suggests being best men at each other's weddings was a charade. And deeply damaging for his father, the king, Harry recalls how he and William asked then Prince Charles not to remarry and accuses Camilla of trading information with journalists. She was the villain. The need for her to rehabilitate her image. That made her dangerous. That made her dangerous. He was sacrificed, he says. With her on the way to being queen consort, there was going to be people or bodies left in the street. Even as the queen died, he says the family's infighting continued. His brother and uncles took a plane to see her. I was not invited. Telling Experience British broadcaster the ITV. And then the briefings and the leaking and the planting. I was like, we're here to celebrate the life of granny and to mourn her loss. Can we come together as a family? But the death of his mum, Diana, also a big focus of his book and interviews. For a long time,
12: I just refused to accept that she was
2: she was gone. This morning, Ken Wharf, who was Princess Diana's bodyguard, telling NBC News he witnessed brotherly rivalry even in those early days. Harry was this sort of character that was you envied by William because of his personality. He says he saw Princess Diana mediate between the boys after a fight. And suddenly Harry leant across the nanny and said to William, it's all right for you, you'll be king one day and I won't, so therefore I can do what I want. Family divisions now exposed, Prince Harry unrepentant. Silence only allows the abuser to abuse. And yet he still says he hopes one day for reconciliation.
3: Wow. Um, A lot to unpack there, Kier. This is really unprecedented for the royal family. So is there anything that's going on that we're not seeing behind the scenes that'll tell us that maybe they will respond at some point, the royal family?
2: Well, I think the problem is, uh, Hoda... How do you respond? If you do respond, William or King Charles, don't you then just invite another response from Harry? And then, on the other hand, I think real damage is being done here. I think damage, the image of the Queen consort kind of whispering to journalists about Harry and Meghan while she tries to improve her image, the image of Prince William uh, focused on his image while there are divisions behind the scenes. And according to Harry, he's not even allowed to join the plane to go and see the Queen when she uh, was dying. I think it is a crisis, a real test of the king's reign. And there is polling this morning, Hoda, that suggests that the popularity, the favorability of the royal family is falling and might stall this. All right, Kier Simmons for us there at Buckingham Palace. Kier, thank you.
1: We're about to get a really interesting mm-hmm. perspective on this. Ronald Reagan's daughter, Patty Davis, she wrote her own controversial memoir, a tell all about her own family in her late 30s, just like Harry. Well, she's going to join us live. She says she now regrets that book, and she's got some advice for Prince Harry.
12: First up, students returning to the University of Idaho for the first time since an arrest and the murders of their four classmates. Stephanie Gosk is in Moscow for us, Steph.
7: Hey, Craig, good morning. Brian Koberger remains in this county jail. He's got a hearing later on this week. And as you mentioned, classes resume after winter break. We'll have new reaction from students as well as new reaction from family of one of the victims coming up.
3: we're back 741 with the very latest on that quadruple murder case in Idaho.
12: Students are now returning to the University of Idaho campus to start their new semester. Many relieved to know that a suspect in the killings of their four classmates is now in custody.
1: NBC's Stephanie Goss has traveled to Moscow, Idaho. She's got more this morning. Hi, Stephanie. Good morning.
7: Hey guys, good morning. You know, kids come back to class this week knowing that suspect Brian Koberger is here at the county jail. Think about when they left, there was no suspect, little was known publicly about this investigation and many of the students were walking around on campus worried for their safety. Now there is certainly some relief, but the University of Idaho is forever changed. At the University of Idaho, students say the mood on campus has changed following the arrest of Brian Kohlberger over the holiday break.
11: I feel better, sort of, knowing that
4: they they have the suspect in custody, that there's a chance that this might all be behind us
7: soon enough. With spring semester about to kick off, a new sense of hope, even as much about the murder case remains unknown, including a motive. I think a lot of people are wondering how he planned it out, how it all came together, and why. The suspect is due back in court this week after appearing before an Idaho judge facing four counts of first-degree murder. Also in the courtroom, the family of victim Kaylee Gonzalez, seeing the accused killer in person for the first time.
12: We can't. You know,
9: stop all this fake information and these fake stories. What we can focus on is this individual and finding every piece of evidence.
7: Overnight, Kelly's sister describing the family's emotion when they found out a suspect was arrested.
13: The relief that we all felt having a suspect in custody was uh, it it was like I, I can't even describe it. Like the weight of the world was lifted from our shoulders.
7: According to a police affidavit, old fashioned detective work appears to have led to the arrest. But online, the pace of rumors and speculation from amateur sleuths has not slowed down. Over the weekend, some spreading unverified reports Koberger may have attended a vigil for the victims and even posted in online groups devoted to the case.
5: I think that it's quite possible that he was on
7: some of these Um, chat rooms, maybe taking part, maybe not, maybe just observing what other people were saying. While internet sleuths can be useful in some cold cases, a former FBI agent says they can also be an unwelcome distraction for law enforcement and cause real harm to innocent people, like the food truck guy seen with Kaylee and Madison the night of the murders, and a female history professor now suing a popular TikToker for suggesting she was involved in the crime.
5: That stuff... Is where online sleuthing kind of crosses the line when you start accusing someone.
7: Koberger has not entered a plea. He has a hearing on Thursday. His public defender in Pennsylvania said he he expects to be exonerated. Savannah, so Howard, back to you guys.
1: All right, Stephanie
3: Goskin, Moscow. Thank you. All right, let's welcome in our NBC News legal analyst, Camille Vasquez. Camille, good morning. Good to see you. Um, so, size up this case. Um, we've got DNA evidence. There's a, a living person who was in the home who saw some things. How strong is the case against him?
13: I think it's extremely strong. And I, you know, the police and the investigators are not in the business of telling us everything that they have. Um, They want to put enough Mm -hmm. to get probable cause to get a judge to sign that search warrant. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we won't know perhaps until the preliminary hearing more evidence in the case. I find it interesting, mm-hmm. Hoda and I were just talking about it. You know, there were weeks and weeks where it seemed like there was nothing going on in the case. A lot of people were quite mm-hmm. critical of the police department. Now we learn that perhaps they had been tracking the suspect since late November. Investigators have to make a decision at that point to keep things close to the vest. That helps with the investigation, I presume.
13: Exactly right. I mean, this is a case that's garnered so much attention worldwide, really. And so I think these investigators do not want to... To make any mistakes. They do not want to give the suspect any reason to have the case not go the way they want it to.
3: We've heard a lot about these internet sleuths. Everyone's trying to get in on the case and give their theories and, and in some cases name names. Does, do those kind of folks hurt a case or can they occasionally help a case too?
13: I think they can do both, right? I mean, I think the internet sleuth, this has become something that really captivated the country this case has. And so people want to talk about the evidence. They want to talk about the human impact. And these are college students, mm-hmm. right? So I think it can be incredibly helpful for investigators. They pleaded to the public and asked for information about the white Elantra. and But it could also be helpful, or not helpful, mm-hmm. harmful when you start naming mm-hmm. someone yeah, especially when you don't have the evidence. Which is, mm-hmm. These are
1: real lives you're talking mm-hmm. about.
13: Camille, thank you very much.
1: Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank you so we'll switch much. gears now. Get a check of the weather with Mr. Roker. All right, guys. We've got a lot
5: going on. A little light snow here in the northeast, some showers. That's going to be moving through. No big problems. Temperatures fairly seasonal. Above average highs, though, from the Gulf Coast all the way into the Mid-Plains. Mountain snows out in the Pacific Northwest. The Cascades as well. Heavy rain and wind. The Sierra Mountain, going to be looking at all feet of snow before this is all over. And that is your latest weather guys
1: all right Gal. thank you
12: coming up on a monday morning some have called him america's little brother we're going to remember the life of actor adam rich who rose to fame as a child star in the 1970s classic eight is enough but first his messages
8: caesar's sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with caesar's rewards